When Governor Kathy Hochul delivered her first State of the State address in 2022, she promised to have New York's parole board working at full capacity, as four of its 19 seats were vacant at the time. Fast forward to the spring of 2023, and five seats are vacant, and multiple members are serving expired terms. To begin to address this shortcoming, Governor Kathy Hochul successfully advanced four parole board candidates at the end of the 2023 legislative session. For reactions to these candidates and to talk about the parole board more broadly, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Jose Saldana, director of the Release Aging People in Prison campaign. So, Jose, before we talk about the new faces on the parole board, I want to highlight uh, Ernie Hart, who was initially nominated by the governor, but his candidacy didn't make it to the Senate floor for an up and down vote uh, after he faced some significant backlash from Senate Democrats for his role in the NYPD leadership during the department's controversial response to the 2020 George Floyd protest. Uh, Does it make sense to you that Ernie Hart would essentially be denied a seat on the parole board because of that brief part of his career? Yes, uh, uh, more importantly for us, you know, uh, I'm a formerly incarcerated person. I was repeatedly denied parole by parole commissioners who were law enforcement, law enforcement backgrounds, and they just couldn't get past the crime of conviction, exactly the crime that I committed in 1979. And, and I've experienced not only being denied parole for multiple times, but I've also been around people who've been denied parole up to 14, even 15 times by, by law enforcement commissioners. And, and we've seen, you know, during our incarceration, where at the height of mass incarceration, the parole release rate was 4%, less than 4%. And, and these are the type of commissioners that reduced that parole release rate to less than 4%. And, and uh, nominee Hart, you know, Ernest Hart, he fits right into that mold of a commissioner who will bring us back to that era where parole was was really, really given to people who are community ready like myself. So often when we hear the argument uh, about why people should be granted parole, there's a recurring idea that people shouldn't be defined by, say, the worst thing they ever did in their life. So why, when it comes to evaluating candidates for the parole board, should someone be automatically disqualified for just one element of their resume? Why shouldn't someone like Ernie Hart or someone else who has a law enforcement background be considered more holistically? Yes, because the uh, Governor Cuomo in 2017 he nominated uh, maybe five or six commissioners from a diversified background. And the result of that was that the parole release rate started to come up, climb up, and it actually almost doubled from where it was prior to that. And, and the very people who have been being released, I was released shortly after, after, are the ones who are in our community leading anti-violent movements to stop the interpersonal violence in our communities you know, being mentors and, and youth coaches to a, a younger generation. So this, you know, it has this, this title effect that, you know, releasing community people who are ready to return back to their community as an asset to the community, as opposed to keeping them in prison to die. To do that, you have to have commissioners who value human transformation. And if you put commissioners in there who have a career of, of arresting and prosecuting people, you're going to regress the parole board back 
to that era. And I think that we all recognize that we've established that formerly incarcerated people who are community ready and are returned back to the community are an asset to the community. And, and, and we just feel that to do that, you have to have a diversified group in that parole board, not stacked with uh, law enforcement. Right, but going back to the original question, why is it disqualifying for someone like Ernie Hart to have spent three years in a leadership role in law enforcement while he has a, a diverse background when people in the progressive criminal justice movement often make the case that someone shouldn't just be judged by one part of their history. They should be looked at holistically. So coming back to that original question, why should someone be disqualified for just one aspect of their life? And when it comes to Ernie, this wasn't a career in law enforcement. So how do you reconcile those two competing ideas? Well, I think, you know, uh, to defining somebody for uh, one act that they committed at one fixed point in their lives is really different than evaluating a person who was part of criminalizing something that is a part of the American culture. Gotcha. Protest. You know, and I think that, you know, if you criminalize protest, you know, what you do is you're creating such a, a, an oppressive condition in our community that we have to accept, you know, all forms of, of oppression. You know, so so I think I think that's that's a lot different than, than someone committed a single act and then someone who may who has who has made a career, at least part of his career, to actually uh criminalize an entire group of people. For listeners just joining us, we're speaking about the parole board in New York, and our guest is Jose Saldana, director of the Release Aging People in Prison campaign. So when Ernie Hart's nomination fell off the table. He was essentially replaced by the governor with the nomination of Brandon Stratford. During the confirmation process, Republicans raised some questions about whether he's qualified for the position. So one, do you think he is qualified for the parole board? And two, are you happy to see him joining the parole board? I listened to the confirmation process and I listened to the questions and his answers. And I thought that, you know, he comes from a background, you know, which we look for as, a, as, a, as someone who's formerly incarcerated. We look for a commissioner who believes that human beings can and often do transform their lives and believe in redemption and, and believe that human beings, no matter what they've done in the past, especially those who have been languished in prison for decades, that they should be given a second chance. And I think that this is a, a commissioner that shares those same values that we have. So we, we definitely do support him as a parole commissioner. And do you feel like he meets the criteria for serving on the board in terms of the letter of the law, or does he just meet it in terms of the spirit of the law? Well, I think the criteria to be a parole commissioner is vague. You know, uh, you don't have to be someone from law enforcement background to be a parole commissioner. I think that, that parole commissioners should be regular people who understand and can relate to human beings. They can relate to human beings' experiences who are quite different than their own experiences uh, and, and have the capacity to understand the, the law as it is given to them and, 
integrity to fulfill that task in a way that is conducive with not only their values and principles, but the common interest of community safety. Prior to the state Senate taking up the parole board nominees, the uh, Black, Puerto Rican, Hispanic, and Asian Legislative Caucus put out a statement condemning uh, three of the choices, arguing that the governor could have done a, a better job th- than these three selections. And those were uh, Ernie Hart, who, as we mentioned, was eventually uh, not considered. But they also included Aaron McCabe and, and Anna Enright, who were uh, confirmed by the state Senate. What do you think of Aaron and Anna, respectively, as new parole board members? I think that the governor had uh, numerous candidates uh, before her that were better choices. Uh, uh, you know, we again, you know, we, we, you know, stacking the parole board with, with law enforcement bring us back to a horrible era. And and and, and they are just better choices. You know, why why must the parole board be stacked with people with law enforcement background? What, what what's the purpose in doing that when you have uh, candidates that uh, diversified background? Why is it that uh, a nurse cannot be a, a parole commissioner, a teacher, uh, or just a housewife? You know, people don't have to have law enforcement backgrounds to to be able to evaluate another human being's readiness to return back to society. And when you talk about a law enforcement background, when it comes to someone like Anna Enright, uh, she served as a deputy commissioner for the Department of of Corrections, spent a lot of time working in parole. Does that fall under the purview of law enforcement as far as you're concerned? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, We're talking about she served as a deputy commissioner during a period where there were more people in the county jails for technical violations than for being arrested for committing a criminal offense. You know, we had thousands of people just languishing in prison for technical violations while she was the deputy commissioner, upstate, all over the state, actually. And, and this, this prompt that we led the nation in technical violations, this prompt our legislator enacted the lessons more to address this massive technical violation problem. Well, during her Senate confirmation hearing, uh, Anna Enright talked about implementing less is more and trying to get people beyond the parole system. Did that not move you in any way, shape, or form? Well, the technical violations are still being uh, a part of the criminal justice system. There are people still being arrested for technical violations. You know, it's just like any other new law that's enacted. Those who are part of the problem have a have a problem with the solution. And although she may have said that, but, you know, the fact remains that people you know, across our state are still being violated for technical violations against the law. And after a quick break, we'll have more on the recent appointments to the state parole board with Jose Saldana, director of the Release Aging People in Prison campaign.
Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. For listeners just joining us, we're continuing our conversation about the recent appointments to the state's parole board that were made by Governor Kathy Hochul and approved by the state Senate. And our guest is Jose Saldana, director of the Release Aging People in Prison campaign. And before the break, we were talking about three of the four candidates that were appointed and confirmed to the parole board. So I want to turn our attention to the fourth person, and that's Donna Hankin. What do you think of her and her candidacy and whether she's a good fit for the parole board? I think there's a welcome addition. She has the background of being a public defender, and this adds diversity to the parole board, uh, as opposed to having prosecutors there who, who, who spent the entire career prosecuting people and, and, and most of the time asking for the for the harshest sentence to be imposed. Now you have a public defender on the other side who will probably relate better to a person's culture and experiences and, and be able to better evaluate in a, in a fair way whether the person should be released back to the community. Hearing you talk about the credentials that make Donna well-suited for the parole board, it sounds like you're leaning into people who are essentially the inverse of the people that you don't want to see on the parole board, essentially setting up a very polarized parole board. Are you concerned at all that we're leaning towards a parole board where people are either going to see things one way or another and not really lean into the gray matter that we have here when considering parole? I don't think that's the case. Like I said, we have in our communities, you know, people who can be, who just believe that human beings can transform their lives. You know, this is our fundamental principle, that we believe in human transformation and redemption. And they are just numerous. I mean, perhaps countless people that the governor can call on and nominate to these positions. But when she nominates people primarily for one profession or law enforcement, then the other choice to balance it out is have people from public defenders or people who have no careers in either one. We presented numerous candidates to the governor's office who are just regular folks who we believe make good commissioners. The idea is that if we, I say myself, you know, people who have been convicted of a crime, we were, we were convicted by a, what they call a jury of our peers. So let us be released by a jury of our peers. And our peers may just well include public defenders. It may include teachers. It may include nurses. It may include just common folks in our community, workers in our communities, who we, we believe can evaluate people in a fair and just manner, as opposed to just them for the one thing that they've done. No matter how horrible it is, people do transform their lives and should be just that way. Well, moving forward, thinking about the practical ramifications of having four more members on the parole board, uh, putting aside their ideological bents, what does it mean to have nearly every seat on the 19-member board now filled in terms of the process of actually accessing parole? When we all are part of this process, evaluating people who should be or should not be sitting as judges, because that's in essence what they're doing, they're trying to 
judge whether a person to, should be released or not be released. We should have a diversified group of people. I think that diversity makes the best chance, gives the best chance of having a, a meaningful, fair, and just parole hearing. People will not feel that they have to pick and choose when to appear before the parole board, because when I was appearing before the parole board, I never done it, but others have done it. If they knew that a certain commissioner was going to be on the parole board, they will make an excuse not to appear before the hearing. And, and that's it. We don't want to go back to that ever. I think this parole board may have a chance of being a parole board that is, will become known as a fair New York State parole board. Going to the logistics, though, of having two people considering a parole request as opposed to three people, does that increase the, the likelihood of someone actually getting parole just because when there's two people considering it, one no vote can automatically stop someone from getting parole, whereas if there's three people, one no vote doesn't stop someone from getting parole necessarily? I think the best case scenario is to have three parole commissioners hearing where the person should be released because if you have two, one says no, the other one says yes, then you have to reappear before the parole board. And nobody wants to make a reappearance that's unnecessary. So, uh, and it should never be two people. It just shouldn't. If you have a fully staffed parole board, there should be enough commissioners to actually have three panels for everyone that's appearing before the parole board. If we was able to do it when there were 72,000 incarcerated men and women in New York State, now there's 31, 32,000, we should be able to do that with 19 parole commissioners. And do you think the next step for the governor is replacing the parole board members who are serving on expired terms, or are there other things you'd like to see the governor focus on in terms of the parole board? When a commissioner is, is on what we call holdover, you know, they've been on holdover for years, I, I would think that these commissioners, to continue being a parole commissioner, they would not make a decisions to release somebody that is a controversial decision, that they will be condemned by the mainstream media, the governor would then be sort of forced to terminate this guy or, 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 or person from being a, a parole commissioner. I think that's, it, it, it just creates, it, it creates a problem that, that commissioners may not make the, the just and fair decision because they are not being reinstated for another six-year term or so. And thinking about the parole board more broadly, are there additional changes you'd like to see to the process for granting parole? Uh, there are a few things that I would I would recommend. First of all, I think there should be a formerly incarcerated person sitting on that parole board. And, and I think the person should be judged and evaluated for who he or she is today, who they have been for years to decades of incarceration. I don't think the overweighting factor should be the crime of conviction because that's something where no one can ever change. If you can't change something, then you continue to use it to deny parole. That means you can deny parole perpetually. You're actually resentencing somebody to death. In some cases, that has been done. So I think the, more, the most important factor should be who the person is, how that person has developed, and how that person has addressed you know, the thinking that led him into incarceration in the first place.
Any other changes to the parole board and the process that you'd like to see implemented? I I, I don't think that, and this is my personal views. Others don't agree with me, but uh, I don't think that the victim impact statement should have that much weight in determining whether a person should be released. This this is this was considered when the person was given the sentence. Sometimes they were given harsher sentence because of the victim impact statement. So if parole is to be a process to evaluate someone's readiness to appear, to return back to their communities, then the criteria should be focused on the things that, that, that allow the commissioners to give more weight to who the person is today, not who the person was decades ago. Well, we've been speaking with Jose Saldana. He is the director of the Release Aging People in Prison campaign. Jose, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you for having me. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at wgpfoundation.org.